1: It's time to play like a Jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play
3: like a Jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Just win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Garnier's got it, Allen. Tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall! He's done it again! Brees lightning! 62 yards for the touchdown! And he's sacked again by Quentin Williams! What a
0: beast, number 95 for the Jets!
4: Listen.
5: Thank you. this is play like a jet my name is scott mason you can follow me on twitter at play like a jet one and it's time for midweek news and notes and so for that we bring in our friend who covers the jets for si mr nick Ferry. And nick what's up brother hey scott how's everything going it's going well, but it's going a lot better for Miko Hardman, who caught the game-winning <laughs> touchdown in the Super Bowl. I don't want to belabor the point too much, but it was funny. I said on Twitter that if you would have told me in August that Miko Hardman was going to be catching the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, I would have been going absolutely out of my mind because obviously I would have thought that he'd be doing it for the Jets, the team that he was on at the time that that statement would have been made. A wild Super Bowl, though, Nick, will start there. Estimates have it at over 200 million people worldwide I think 123 million just on TV And then a bunch of others streaming The Super Bowl continues to be the biggest event every single year In terms of single day viewing And I will say that while at times this game was very ugly And while at times it could be kind of boring In the end they produced a really nice finish A good story And it ended up being a close game that came down to the wire in overtime, not much more you could ask for.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting because I, I thought, and I think most of America believe that this was an incredibly sloppy Super Bowl uh, any way you look at it, whether it was the fumbles early on, the fumbles in the red zone, poor coaching in key moments, uh, questionable decisions in late moments, uh, a lot of different things kind of made this a weird game. And I think historians years from now are going to find this Super Bowl very similar to Super Bowl 38 between the Panthers and the Patriots where it was a low-scoring affair for most of the game. And then late, both teams, both offenses caught fire uh, and ended up having a, a great ending um, and I think that's where if we're going to judge this Super Bowl long term, as everyone seems to do in these day this day and age, uh, I think that's a perfect comparison where Patrick Mahomes certainly didn't play his best. He was running for his life. The offensive line was getting absolutely shellacked. Uh, the 49ers defense was very, very good. The 49ers offense was dominating at points. But throughout that game, they were dominating and they were only up seven. They were only up three. Uh, they needed to create some distance, and they just never could. And I think that's due in large part to some coaching issues the 49ers have. As much as Kyle Shanahan is, is talked about being a genius offensive mind, and he's certainly in the forefront of, of, of these offensive changes in these, this offensive age, a lot of the problems I think the 49ers had in that game outside of the turnovers, outside of some player-led mistakes, A lot of it had to do with, I think, coaching malpractice, getting away from the running attack in the third quarter, uh, going all in on passing in the fourth quarter, and just making themselves uncomfortable. And the fact that there are multiple 49er veterans that are saying they didn't know the overtime rules, and there are several Kansas City players saying that they understood the rules because they went over it as early as training camp, that should tell you all you need to know. One team really came in prepared. Uh, one team was more about the talent and felt that they wouldn't have to be in that situation in the first place. So congrats to the Chiefs. They are the the team of the 2020s, if you will. I think that's a pretty fair statement to make, even though we're in 2024. Um, but now the real question becomes Patrick Mahomes and his legacy. Uh, three Super Bowls in six years, four appearances. The numbers are off the charts. I think he he is having the best six-year stretch to start a starting career in NFL history. I think that there's going to be very few people that will argue that, uh, and he is certainly on his way to competing with some of the top five quarterbacks in football. I, I, the argument's there for him to be in the top five already, uh, and he's only 28 years old. If, if he continues to win at this trajectory for another decade or so, we could be looking at Mahomes as the greatest quarterback of all time, even if Andy Reid retires beforehand,
5: Nick, that's all cool and everything. But the Jets are getting new uniforms! Yay! <laughs> uh,
0: if if you had asked me what was what was going to happen after the Super Bowl, um, I would never have guessed that the New York Jets owner, after a seven and ten season and a player the team essentially gave up on uh, it midway through the year. Uh, caught the game-winning touchdown pass for another team, if they were to come out and say, hey, new uniforms, we still matter, we're still relevant, uh, I would have told you you're absolutely crazy. It was one of the more shocking things that I have seen where an owner just sort of just tries to keep fans engaged at the very last minute with everything going wrong. It was very odd, Um, not exactly the best move for Woody Johnson, and I know a lot of people love Woody. Some people hate him. Um, He clearly cares about the Jets and Jets fans, uh, but I felt that this was a move, when you look at it, was just more puzzling than anything else. You could have made that announcement on Monday or Tuesday, not five minutes after the Super Bowl ended. It was very hollow, very just very weird.
5: This had mommy and daddy are getting divorced, so let's take the kids for ice cream vibes to it. It was so absolutely bizarre to do this. It was look over there. Hey, look, new uniforms. I totally understand them having these new uniforms. The fans wanted it, all that. Everybody that listens to this show knows that I personally do not care about the uniforms at all, not even a little bit. I just want to see the team win games. To other people, the uniforms are a big deal. That's fine. But that was not the moment to be announcing it. And like you said, with Woody Johnson, I think he gets a lot of criticism for not caring about the team or not caring about the fans or only wanting to line his own pockets. I think if that were totally true, the Jets wouldn't have been second in the league in cash spent this past year. Woody will spend, I think what he wants more than anything is to be liked. He wants to be the popular kid. He was probably picked on in high school. And so he just wants to be the guy That everybody thinks is the cool one The one that everybody's happy with The one that everybody looks to and says Thank you for bringing a championship To the cursed Jets after all this time He wants to be that guy That brings the championship to Jets fans He cares a lot about what Jets fans say You heard the reports About how he takes this criticism to heart The problem is somehow he always ends up making the wrong decisions, even if sometimes they look right on paper. And Nick, I think obviously one of his biggest problems, and he showed it again with this, is that he just can't read the room and he's totally tone deaf and out of touch. I understand that he thought that he was doing something the fans wanted, and he is, but there's a time and place for everything, and he just is so bad at reading the room
0: it's it's quite a quite a consistent thing right it's whether it's the athletic coming out with a report about what woody was thinking and and focusing on what jets fans are saying if we're talking about process and the right process to building a contending team uh the fans opinion should not matter in this I, i look at a comparison uh back in 2020 with the philadelphia eagles Uh, And Jeffrey Lurie, there were a lot of people that wanted uh, Howie Roseman to be fired. And I was one of those people that felt that Roseman was not doing enough as the as the head executive of the franchise and he needed to be removed. But Lurie said in his press conference to end the year when he fired Doug Peterson, our process in the front office is exactly what it needs to be. It's just a matter of executing. That process is so important. And we have the right one here. And it's hard to argue with him when he has won a Super Bowl, gotten to another, and is still on a team that is co- going to contend for a Super Bowl next year. Having the right process is so important with making decisions. The problem is execution. I don't think anyone anyone in the NFL sphere argued with the process that brought Robert Sala or Joe Douglas to the organization. Those were two guys. That were well respected. They were very popular amongst the hiring circles. They were the top guys of their sort of year, and it just hasn't worked out to this point. And you can look at examples dating back to the early 2000s where the process was fine. It wasn't. It just the problem was the execution failed miserably. And the off season is going to be very important for the Jets. They're going to have some money to spend. They have plenty of needs to spend that money on. And if their process is strong, they will be able to succeed in building the team. If it's not, we're talking about a much different issue going into the 2025 offseason.
5: Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
4: for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details this episode is made possible by pwc it's getting hot out here moving the mercury can help move your business pwc helps turn sustainability theory into real world action Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.
1: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
5: Nick, one thing that would certainly help the Jets in 2024 is if they really bolstered their offense. And we've talked about this a lot. And we will continue to talk about this through free agency and the NFL draft, which, believe it or not, are very close. Free agency is a month away. The NFL draft is another month on top of that. So it's really not that far away. And it's crazy how the NFL never stops because the Super Bowl just ended and, and the official start to the new league year is right around the corner. But one guy that could be available, and you saw him play in the Super Bowl, and I think he was very much underutilized in the Super Bowl, was Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk's girlfriend is out there posting videos about how she doesn't expect Brandon to be back with the 49ers next year. Brandon Ayuk is liking stuff on Instagram that has him in other uniforms. And this doesn't necessarily mean anything. But one thing that you did hear during the broadcast, and a lot of people have talked about quite a bit since, is that the 49ers... ...are in a very tough cap situation right now. They're not going to be able to afford to keep everybody... ...even with Brock Purdy on a super cheap contract... ...because they have so much talent. And Ayuk is going into the final year of a cheap rookie deal. This will be his fifth year option year. So he's still pretty cheap... ...when you consider the quality of play that he brings to the table... 25 years old, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, 7th in receiving yards, but 30th in targets. It shows you how efficient he is. An absolute monster. And I think that if he was a more featured option, because the Niners have so many weapons, that's what people forget. They've got Debo Samuel. They've got George Kittle. They've got Christian McCaffrey. So a guy like Ayuk doesn't get as many targets as he should, but if you put him in an offense that features him more, the sky is the limit in terms of what he could produce. Now, think about him and Garrett Wilson in the Jets offense and think about Aaron Rodgers if he's healthy throwing to a guy like Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk is the perfect player for Aaron Rodgers because not only can he get open, but he can get open very, very quickly. And Aaron Rodgers has a quick release. He likes to get the ball out very fast. And so he is ideally suited to play with somebody like Aaron Rodgers. Now you know what the story is. If you trade for him, you have to pay him too. You get that one cheap year in 2024, and then you have to pay him. But if you're in a win-now window and you have the opportunity to get an elite talent at 25 years old in a trade, I think you have to strongly consider it. You'd have to see what the asking price is. And this is, of course, assuming the 49ers make him available. Maybe they work something out and they don't end up trading him, but he clearly wants to get paid right now. Nick, i floated the idea of the Jets trading down in the first round with the 49ers, flipping first round picks for Brandon Ayuk, I wonder if that would be enough. Remember, A.J. Brown, who also had one cheap year left on his deal when he got traded to Philly, went for a first and a fourth. I would argue that at the point in time that Ayuk is being traded as opposed to when Brown was being traded, Ayuk. Was the better receiver now that doesn't mean that he was better than Brown period it just means that he had produced more at that point as opposed to AJ Brown who was on the lower end of the production scale his best season was still under 1100 yards he wasn't in a pass happy offense and I would argue that to a large degree part of that is because he was being misused by then offensive coordinator Arthur Smith who didn't use him on go balls the way he should have because as we found out in Philly A.J. Brown is an elite go-ball receiver. But I think when you look at that first and fourth and you look at what IU might be able to bring the 49ers, maybe flipping those picks would do it. The 49ers could then move up to number 10. Draft IUK's replacement. The Jets could get themselves somebody that could help them win right now, a twenty-five-year-old receiver at the peak of his powers. They'd have to pay him, but they could find a way to do that. They'd still be able to work that out in 2025 and beyond. 2024 wouldn't be an issue because he still got a relatively cheap cap hit in 2024. And then from there, you'd have the 31st pick and still be able to probably land a quality offensive lineman. Wouldn't have your pick of the litter like you would at number 10 but you'd still be able to get somebody good and then maybe get a little bit adventurous, trade up from the third round into the second and get yourself another offensive lineman. Because if you add Ayuk and then two starting caliber offensive linemen and you come out of the draft with that, I think a lot of Jets fans will be really pumped up. So I'm curious to see what the 49ers do here with Brandon Ayuk. But if he does become available, the Jets would be crazy not to be picking up the phone and trying hard to find a way to land him.
0: I'm sure that's going to be part of the conversation that's going to happen. The one thing that I'll say about Ayuk that is going to be difficult to judge, uh, I call it the Alvin Harper issue. Um, You look at going back in the 1990s with the Dallas Cowboys, Alvin Harper uh, was the number two receiver in the early portion of the Cowboys dynasty uh, behind Michael Irvin. And he was an incredibly efficient receiver, great route runner, speedy guy. uh, And then he signed a contract. I'm trying to remember who it might've been either the Falcons or Tampa Bay, Um, but Harper left and to become a number one receiver. And he could never be a number one receiver because the offense that he went to wasn't the same with the Cowboys. He wasn't behind a a quality receiver to pair up with him. Ayuk is incredibly efficient. No one's going to deny that, but how good would Ayuk be as a number one option? Now the Jets obviously have Garrett Wilson, so it would essentially be a number two. But Nathaniel Hackett's offensive scheme is a lot different than Kyle Shanahan's. There's a lot less movement. Uh, there's a lot less, hey, get scheming guys open. Ayuk uh, is such a great player, but how much of it is more of him as a quality route runner, which he is, as opposed to him just being schemed wide open every single time? That's going to be a question that a lot of teams are going to be wanting to answer when it comes to this particular receiver. I personally disagree when we talk about the A.J. Brown comparison, because... Brown is a bigger guy and he was always a bigger receiver where the Titans trusted him on some of these different routes, but no one really understood just how impressive he was as a big wide receiver, tall, athletic, could run a lot of different routes. No one really saw it in Tennessee, but the overall quality of the receiver that he was was always there. It was just a matter of the scheme itself was hindering him. That's the question. If if he were to come, if Ayuk were to come to the Jets, would the scheme hinder his talent to the point where he's just not as effective, not as efficient? That's kind of the question that the New York is going to have to answer. That's a question that the 49ers are going to have to answer as well. Because if they were to ship him, you better make sure that you get a quality asset returning to you and that's going to be a, a question that a lot of teams going to, are going to have to answer I continue to look at T Higgins free agency in terms of his overall skill set and the fit that he would have with the team what the Jets really need and we talk about Alan Lazard not being this guy we talk about the, the deficiencies post the Corey Davis retirement they need a guy that can go up and be a dependable number two receiver red zone target and we saw this year with T. Higgins that he can absolutely be that case. He's a, he's a little bit bigger. He's a quality receiver, can run a lot of great routes. I don't know if Ayuk can be that. I'm not saying he can't, but all I'm saying is the fit of an offensive scheme uh, plays a role, particularly when you have a lot of weapons like the 49ers do. And just like Alvin Harper, if you put one of those guys elsewhere – There's not the guarantee that you're going to get the same efficient player that he was before.
5: I think Ayuk is actually a significantly better receiver than T. Higgins, and also he's been more durable than T. Higgins, too. T. Higgins obviously had the injury issues this year, and his production was down. I also think as far as A.J. Brown goes, listen, you're right. People didn't realize how good he was, but he still was able to get... The Tennessee Titans, a first and a fourth, and he had durability issues, too. If you remember, Nick, the final season that he played for the Tennessee Titans, he missed four games. He was generally missing a couple of games every year with injuries and never got to 1,100 yards receiving. Ayuk, seventh in the NFL in receiving yards this year, even though it's an offense with George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, and Debo Samuel. So I think Ayuk would be perfect for this offense as far as the scheme What I'm really looking at is Aaron Rodgers because Hackett's scheme truthfully doesn't really matter. It's not significant if Aaron Rodgers plays. And if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, let's keep it real. You've got bigger problems than whether or not Nathaniel Hackett is going to be able to scheme for Brandon Ayuk as we saw this past year the team pretty much fell completely apart when Aaron Rodgers wasn't there. Now, they're going to have to figure out a way to protect against that, but I don't think Brandon Ayuk and Nathaniel Hackett being able to scheme him open is going to be the issue. When you can get open like that because of your route running, the way that Ayuk has developed as a receiver in the NFL, it's always going to be something, especially with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, where you know you've got a player that can make plays, move the chains, and in a lot of cases, make explosive plays. So I think that IUK is somebody that the Jets should absolutely have at the top of their list if he becomes available. Now, if they can sign somebody like Mike Evans without giving up anything, that's a whole other story. But I've seen people talk about this, Nick. They've said, well, why would you trade for Brandon Ayuk when you could sign T. Higgins or you could sign Michael Pittman or you could sign Mike Evans or you could sign calvin ridley and of course the answer to that is you don't know that you can sign those guys mike evans may or may not become available maybe he gets tagged or maybe he signs with tampa before free agency starts and even if he becomes an unrestricted free agent who's to say he wants to play with the jets Pittman and Higgins, I would almost guarantee, are not going to walk out the door for free. Pittman will get tagged and probably signed. Higgins may or may not get signed, but he's definitely going to get tagged, and then you have to give up something for him anyway. And I like Ridley. He's not a bad option. But let's also remember that he's older. He's about 30 years old, and also he's not as good as Brandon Ayuk or the other receivers that were mentioned. I'd still happily take him. As a number two option with the New York Jets Especially since odds are he doesn't get tagged And if you get him, you're signing him as an unrestricted free agent But ultimately, it all depends on who becomes available And we don't even know if Ayuk is going to be available But if he is, that guy is one of the top talents At wide receiver in the NFL at 25 years old If you're in a win-now window and you can get him You've got to go out and try and find a way to do it Especially if you could do it in a way like what I said which would preserve your opportunity to still draft a quality offensive lineman at the end of the first round. You're not going to get necessarily the guy that you have at the top of your list, but this is a very deep offensive line class. So you could still get a day one starter potentially on the offensive line at number 31 and still walk away without you. And then, like I said, maybe you go all in and you push your chips into the middle of the table and you take those fourth rounders and try and maneuver up to get yourself into the second round and get another possible starting offensive linemen so we'll see where this goes but it's interesting to think about right now this time of year when there's not much else going on but of course We've got the NFL Combine coming up in a couple of weeks, then free agency, then the draft. So things are going to heat up. You're going to want to make sure that you check out everything that Nick Faria is doing over at Sports Illustrated. Follow him on Twitter as well. And check out everything that we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've also got merch you can buy over at our store, teepublic.com. That's teepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play our
0: kids have said to us since we've moved to minnesota we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived